1: The Slate Serial Spoiler Special is brought to you by Squarespace. The new Squarespace 7 platform has a redesigned interface, 15 new templates, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, and a new feature called Cover Pages. Try it at squarespace.com and get 10% off when you enter the offer code SPOILER. Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere.
0: Hi, I'm David Hagland, a senior editor at Slate. Welcome to the spoiler special podcast about Serial, the multi-part investigative series from This American Life. I'm joined, as usual, by Slate staff writer Katie Waldman. She joins me from our DC studio. Hey, Katie. Hey, David. And our guest this week is June Thomas, a Slate culture critic and the editor of *Outward*, Slate's LGBTQ blog. Hey, June. Hey, it's you too. So normally on this podcast, we talk about the latest episode of Serial. But as you surely know, there is no new episode of Serial this week. We decided to record an episode anyway because we decided it was a great opportunity for us to dive into some of the things that we have left out of our other episodes. Specifically, things we're reading online that Serial hasn't gotten to yet. In other words, we're going to discuss details... From the case, surrounding the case, various theories, which you may not want to hear if you're trying to keep yourself entirely innocent of information that has not been shared by Sarah Koenig and her team. Uh, To explain that a little bit further, let me read this email from a listener named Enov. Hi there. I have a bit of a dilemma out of your next episode. I've chosen not to go down the internet rabbit hole when it comes to serial, I guess as a way to reconcile myself with the unease that comes with listening to a real-life story about real people but I do crave a conversation after every new episode. And as someone outside of the U.S. whose mother refuses to dedicate the time to catch up, I rely on your podcast for that discussion. Thanks for that, by the way. Anyway, all of this is to ask that if I skip this extra spoilery podcast, I'll be able to jump back in the week after without too many mentions of outside rabbit hole type info. So let me assure Ainov and anyone else listening who has the same concern that, yes, you'll be able to jump in again next week. This is a one-time thing. But if you really don't want to hear that stuff, you should probably turn this podcast off right now. All right. Now that those people have turned off this podcast, uh, June, I wanted to bring you in because you have also not read any of those things yourself.
1: Very little. I have done a tiny bit of mainstream reading, but anything that's not in my typical media diet, I haven't looked at. So read it. I did not like learn to navigate the various subreddits in order to navigate serial. My excuse for doing that was that I wanted to have a pure Sarah Koenig mediated experience of the unraveling of the story. Right now, I kind of feel like the those rabbits or beagles must when the people with the cigarettes come close to them are like no you're going to enjoy this really you're going to this is what you've been missing all this time that
0: is the strangest analogy i've ever heard you is that an english thing
1: don't don't beagles smoke cigarettes here
0: (laughs) maybe in some very strange charlie brown specials katie where are you with regard to uh, all the outside reading
2: I think I am somewhat in the middle of you two. I am not a completely untouched, uh, pristine serial (laughs) virgin in the way that June is. Um, I am not deeply enmeshed in the Reddit back and forth the way, David, it seems that you might be. Um, And I can get to my primary source of supplemental reading. I think we'll get there. Um, So I'm I'm sort of a Goldilocks lukewarm right in the (laughs) middle.
0: All right. Well, let me explain uh, Reddit for those who aren't, uh, aren't so familiar. There is a, a subreddit uh, which is, you know, a section of Reddit devoted solely to the Serial podcast. And it started shortly after the podcast started airing. Its, it's readership has grown each week. I think it's up to something like 17,000 subscribers. And then, of course, there are many people who just go to the site uh, without subscribing. So the, the readership is large. And people are sharing links there. They're going through court documents. You know, people have, have dug up stuff on Westlaw. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of stuff. And also people are kind of speculating fairly wildly. Some of the theories get a little out of control. But there is interesting stuff. And I'm going to highlight a few of the most interesting things today. So that's what what I'll be drawing from. Katie, what about you?
2: So I've become somewhat addicted to um, a blog called Split the Moon. And I wrote about this actually right when the podcast started. But um, it's Put on by Rabia Chaudhry, who is the family friend who first brought this case to the attention of Sarah Koenig. And um, she, I mean, this is not the place to go for like an objective, cool. Um, summary of the facts of the case. She is building her own argument about Adnan and why he's innocent. Um, But she does have access to a ton of extra documents and uh, she provides really interesting glosses on what's happening. So um, I will be talking about Rabia's blog, Split the Moon.
0: Great. So June, are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I want to bring in is a piece that uh, that Reddit uh, drew me to. It was published elsewhere. It was published on the website of the Columbia Journalism Review. And it was published on November 19th, written by Lindsay Bierstein. And what she gave us was an update on the Innocence Project's progress. And this is obviously really interesting because there's been a lot of speculation about how they're going to figure back in you know, uh, when they were introduced in Episode 7, it wasn't really clear when that meeting took place mm-hmm. and and whether we could count on them returning or what. So, as of November 19th, uh, Deirdre Enright said that they were about to file a motion to have something called the Physical Evidence Recovery Kit tested for DNA. All right? So, what this means, uh, for one thing, is that you know, what they find is still totally up in the air, right? right? I mean, we read an email on a previous episode from a guy named Scott who guaranteed (laughs) that they would come back in at the end of the series and and they would have something for us, you know.
2: Scott knows more than we (laughs) give them credit for. Scott sees the future. Scott was there.
0: Yeah, he's a prophet maybe, but otherwise (laughs) I'm not sure that I give that guarantee too much weight. Uh, The other really interesting thing, though, about this CJR piece is that... um, it, it gave some details from, from that motion that they were about to file. In the motion, they mentioned two alternative suspects. <gasps> and this is where we get really into the, the Reddit weeds, uh, because <laughs> um, they didn't name the suspects, but they did provide some details about them. And if you, you know, put the pieces together, you can f- probably figure out who they were talking about. So uh-huh. let, me, let me quote the piece. Uh, One of her students, one of Deirdre's students, uh, Beierstein writes, came across a case on a police cold case website in which an Asian woman had been raped and murdered in Baltimore County shortly after Lee's death. The police had a suspect in that case, Enright says. They confronted him about the rape and murder of the other woman, and he committed suicide in prison shortly thereafter. After he died, the police ran his DNA and got hits for several other unsolved rapes so this is one of the alternative suspects that's mentioned in the motion like I said doesn't give his name mm-hmm. but he has been uncovered uh, his name is Ronald Lee Moore uh, on December 13th 1999 uh, the body of a, of a woman named Annalise Hyong Sook Lee was found in her apartment in Maryland uh, she had died of blunt force trauma and strangulation mm. so That's one of the alternative suspects. I think if you think back to uh, Episode 7, you may remember that Enright sort of speculated about what if there was a serial killer. Um, This is the kind of person that they had in mind. That said, uh, there hasn't been that much speculation about more on Reddit. The guy that Reddit really keeps pointing to as, you know, if there is going to be some other out-of-left-field suspect is a guy named Roy Davis, Mm -hmm. Uh, Roy S. Davis. Now, Davis is in prison. Uh, he's still alive. Um, he was convicted in 2004 of the rape and murder of a Woodlawn 18 year old named Jada Lambert. Wow. So, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you slightly more about, about him, and then June, I really want to hear your response to this. <laughs> Lambert, like I said, was from Woodlawn. She was 18 years old at the time of her, of her death, and she, too, was strangled. Uh so so June what do you what do you think of all this as someone who is hearing this for the first time
1: Well I have two main reactions uh the first is about the show which is that now I'm sort of thinking maybe I have made a mistake already I'm questioning my <laughs> my choices because one I love the sh- I love serial I find it absolutely fascinating at the same time it really frustrates me because there are so many things going on, as you've said on these podcasts, there's the storytelling aspect, there's the investigation aspect, there's the, the characters and, and all of this. And so although I enjoy episodes, sometimes usually the thing that makes me most frustrated is when Sarah Koenig says something, you know, in like what feels like two sentences or 15 seconds that seems really important to me and then doesn't go back to it, and instead goes off on a what feels like a tangent about personalities. Even though I'm interested in those personalities, I get all, you know, frustrated because I want to know more about that thing. And one of the things that caused that reaction was in that episode seven, when there was, you know, a, a reference to some uninvestigated materials. And like, well, don't just tell me that you're doing that tell me what you found or you know check back in on it and so i'm now realizing that maybe i should be doing that
0: <laughs> well i don't know it depends on whether you want to you know spend all of these hours of your days right. looking at these things katie uh, how much of this is new to you
2: I know of the names. I did not know some of the specifics that you just cited, but I think like I'm completely with June in that one of the big problems with Serial is they don't have a way of knowing which of all these pieces of information are actually important right. to the truth, um, so they can't signpost any of it. And so they kind of have to touch everything just to you know hedge their bets and make sure that they're covered, but they have no way of sort of bringing out to us or illuminating the things that um, they know are important because no one knows what's important yet.
0: Yeah, it's really tricky, I think, to bring this stuff in when it is highly speculative at this point. I'll just (laughs) underline that. uh, That, you know, when you're looking through stuff online and, and digging up old case files and things... You know, you're free to say, hey, maybe it was this guy, maybe it was that guy. But I do think she's in a, you know, Sarah Koenig and the other producers are in a very different position yeah. when it comes to addressing this stuff. Uh, I, also, I just want to add, you know, these left out of left field suspects uh, seem unlikely for the simple reason that we know that Jay was involved. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. And he knew, he knew where Hay's car was. And as of now, I have not seen any connection, any kind of real tangible connection between him and, and these other guys. Why, if they did it, would he know about it? Why would he care to protect them if he yep. knew who did it, yep. Etc. So, I mean, that's the big kind of, mm-hmm. you know, undercutting fact with all of these, you know, more speculative theories.
2: That is your equivalent of the Nisha call. It's the but J rejoinder. Exactly,
1: and in a way, but Adnan, because one of the things again that's been incredibly challenging to my sort of the way that I'm experiencing this show, it's the lack of an alternative theory of the crime. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to have reasonable doubt. It's one thing to, but above all, we're never really going to feel settled unless there is. An alternative theory.
0: Yeah, I mean, really none of the theories of the crime, and this I would include the one that held up in court, mm. are particularly right. satisfying. I mean, none of them seem to, to, to quite hold together, at least for me. So Katie, I want you to tell June about what you've been reading, but before you do, let me tell you about this week's sponsor. The Serial Spoiler Special is brought to you this week by Squarespace. Squarespace will help you design a professional-looking website, and you'll be able to do it easily and cheaply. Squarespace recently launched the latest version of their platform, Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, new templates, and an incredible feature called Cover Pages. The kind of website you can create with Squarespace looks so much better than the ones you've probably made in the past using clunkier platforms that get unprofessional results. Squarespace has a beautiful design. Like I said, it's, it's really easy, and it's also only $8 a month. And you can get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. The website you build will scale so it looks great on any device, and every website comes with a free online store. So start a trial. There's no credit card required. Just go to squarespace.com. Make sure to use the offer code SPOILER to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the Serial Spoiler Special. Again, that's squarespace.com. The offer code is SPOILER. Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere. Okay, now back to our conversation. Katie?
2: June, um, may I initiate you into my (laughs) particular supplemental materials? Um, Rabia's blog, Split the Moon?
1: Please do. Tell me more.
2: So... Um, The thing about Rabia's blog that I find really great and satisfying is she actually photocopies or she, she has photographs of physical materials so you can see people's handwriting, you can see the documents.
1: What kind of documents, what kinds of things is she reproducing on her blog?
2: So she has a bunch of entries from various friends of Adnan's, their journals and their diaries. Uh, She also includes letters from guidance counselors. So there's a lot that's sort of shoring up Adnan's character. And it's really remarkable sort of the consistency of the picture you get post after post. Um, So she has a guidance counselor talking about how warm and helpful and nice Adnan is. And she has that uh, sentiment echoed in various people's diaries. Um, and I gotta say it sort of gets to me hearing the same um, the same evaluation of Adnan's character over and over I really start getting pulled along by that estimation of him
1: I actually was tempted to make Rabia's blog part of my serial you know routine because she promised that she wouldn't do spoilers but Hmm. from your description Katie it's sounding like a snapshot that was taken 15 years ago, that kind of is limited to that pre-murder Adnan. Are all of the testimonials and all of the letters and diary entries from before or around the time of the murder?
2: Well, no, actually. So she also talks about, uh, there was one pretty touching part where she says, you know, I was leaving this abusive marriage and um, Adnan was there for me and he comforted me and he showed so much empathy for me, even though he is here and in Rabia's mind, he is there unjustly. Um, And, you know, his she writes actually, his capacity for empathy in the face of the injustice he's been dealt has always been extraordinary to me. Um, So, she sort of, she weaves uh, past uh, sources with sort of her more recent recollections. Um, And it's, again, it's not a place you want to go to learn more necessarily, but um, it's a place you go to really feel how um, some of the bystanders um, in this story are feeling.
0: Yeah, you know, Katie, one uh, line from from her, I think it's her most recent post that, that jumped out to me, is she wrote, Listeners will never be able to figure out whether Adnan is a sociopath or a nice guy, Jay is a psychopath or a victim, or Sarah is a bewildered glutton for punishment or a master weaver of addictive narrative. Come on now. So let's stop pretending we can psychoanalyze the depths of the souls of these people through 30 to 40 minute podcasts. I that I really appreciated yeah. that line. It's something we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit on our last episode. Sort of, to what extent do we think we're going to really know these people, mm-hmm. or that Sarah Koenig is going to really know Adnan through you know thirty hours of telephone calls? Uh, and in particular, you know, this invocation of the term sociopath Excellent. and psychopath, I think, are really important because they've gotten thrown around a lot. They've come up. On Serial itself, you know, there was the memorable exchange between Deirdre Enright and Sarah Koenig about, you know, how lucky one would right. be to have mm-hmm. the charming sociopath. I think that these terms, in my, in, my, in my estimation, do not seem terribly well understood. Right. right. And I keep seeing this distinction people are making between innocence and sociopathy. Like, mm-hmm. either this guy, you know, meaning Adnan, did it, uh, and he's a sociopath. Or he's t- totally innocent. I don't think that it's that simple. For one thing, as I understand it, uh, sociopath is not even a particularly uh, well-respected term among psychologists. It has a lot of popular use. But also the way that he has conducted himself to this point, the way everyone, like you said, describes him, I, this is not a guy without human feeling. I, I'm, I just yeah. don't buy that. That doesn't to me mean that he is necessarily innocent. I think that for whatever reason, from whatever set of circumstances, someone could you know, commit a horrible, horrible act and be otherwise quote unquote normal.
2: Right. I think the problem here is murder is kind of, by definition, or according to some definitions, a sociopathic act. So it's really hard to sort of um, differentiate between mentally ill people who commit murder. And, I mean, I suppose there there are not mentally ill people who commit murder, but isn't, in a way, committing murder kind of a symptom of some kind of serious off kilterness
1: Well, and, and if this murder was committed in a best buy parking lot or you know, in some or in a library parking lot and then the person who did it uh, you know, carried on their day and went to track practice and did you know did all the things that we have been hearing about Adnan, then he would be a psychopath. So somehow it all plays into our inability to like to to make that call if he did it or he didn't do it. Because if he did it and he also did these other things that we know or have been told that he did, then dot, dot, dot. I mean, that's where I just keep going into, you know, ever-decreasing circles. Right.
0: Well, see, yeah. I, I'm I'm not an expert in this field. <laughs> I'll just put that out on the table right now. But I think that need, to my mind, the need to say, if this person did that, he is in some fundamental way different from me, in some mm-hmm. scientific, biological way different from... From you or me, Th- that to me seems to be a popular notion that right. is not necessarily well grounded in any actual science yeah. or, or or psychology.
2: Uh, You've got sp- me convinced there, actually. And I would add also that sociopath, psychopath—those are the kind of easy labels that I think people. That when there is backlash against serial, it's sort of this idea that we're sort of breezing by. The events of other people's lives and slapping uh, glib labels and narratives on top of them, and there's kind of an intrusion there. And I think actually there's sort of a flavor of that, and just lobbing diagnoses like sociopath or psychopath at Adnan or J or whoever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's there's one other um, thing from from Rabia Chaudhry's most recent post that I wanted to ask you about, Katie, because it, it it struck me as a little bit different from. The things that she's um, shared before and June I'm curious for your reaction too. that the very end of her most recent post she she included a document it's from uh, the uh, notes uh, from an assistant to uh, Adnan's yes. lawyer right, <laughs> Christina Gutierrez who we've all right. heard and, mm-hmm. and remember the late Christina Gutierrez we've heard her on on serial uh, but so the, these notes were about something Adnan apparently told this assistant or told Gutierrez one or the other, and they were questions about Jay and his relationship to Stephanie, uh, who we haven't heard much about mm-hmm. because you know she did not want to talk to to Sarah Koenig, which seems completely understandable mm-hmm. to me. But it basically these you know these comments basically floated a, a, an alternative theory of the crime, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. which we've touched on a little bit before. But basically, the idea that that Jay was cheating on Stephanie. And that Hay knew about this, mm. and perhaps that could have resulted in a in a confrontation that led that you know led to to Jay. I mean, that's the implication, right? And I yeah. led to Jay strangling Hay, and and I, you know, this is where we get to really tricky territory uh, because you know Jay has not been um, you know charged with with this murder. Right. He is not in prison. Uh, I think that Serial wants to avoid. Defaming him, I imagine they have avoided using his last name, mm-hmm. um, but this is sort of now out there on the web, right. and I, I'm curious what you guys uh, think of it.
2: I can just say uh, it was sort of a lightning bolt when I read this. Like I, I'm nervous about even talking about it for the liability things that you mm-hmm. that you mentioned. I mean, it's a huge it's a huge step to to accuse someone who is not in jail of committing murder. But, I mean, according to these notes, it seems as though um, Adnan had told Hay that Jay had cheated on Stephanie and then Hay was furious and told Adnan that she planned to confront Jay the next chance that she got. Um, And so the... I think the theory is that Jay found out about this, and or perhaps Hay even confronted him, and that is what led to the murder, according to this theory. It's an internally cohesive narrative, certainly, but I can see why it's incredibly um, tricky to, to walk onto that uh, ice floe. It
1: makes perfect sense to
2: me that there are things that Sarah
1: cannot say for reasons of defamation or liability or whatever. But so many other things she kind of, you know, she's intimate with us. And she tells us, you know, stuff that's a little bit, I don't know, like things that you only tell a friend. But she hasn't mentioned this. She hasn't said, hey, you know, some things I can't talk about for legal reasons. Right. So it would be
2: great if she did that because, you know, she's already at the point. I think I can't remember who pointed this out. But she's at the point of playing a clip from an interview and then saying, "But I think that person might be lying, which is not you know that that yeah flirts with defamation a little bit
0: well she's she is walking a very um a very tricky line here i think and 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 to my mind has has done it very well, but this is the kind of moment when you're reading where you think, Huh, now why hasn't this come up yet? Will yeah. it come up? you know another thing that that I think we are going to hear more about, but which, uh, which she hasn't gotten into yet, is about, you know, the deal with Jay, right? That was the title of an episode, and I assumed we were going to hear about the deal that he got from the prosecutors, but instead it was, you know, more about, you know, who he seemed to be as a, as a person, mm-hmm. as a personality. Uh, but as it happens, there, there are, you know, some details about that deal online, so, so let me share them with you guys. The, the thing that sticks out for me is that uh, he was given a lawyer... And as I understand it, he was given this lawyer before he was charged. So this was not, you know, you're under arrest, you're you know entitled to an attorney if you can't afford one. One will be appointed to you. It wasn't exactly that, as as I understand it. Instead, the the police department basically procured him a lawyer who was willing to work pro bono for him and could kind of protect him through this legal process that he was about to go through. Uh, Her name was. Anne Benaroya. Uh, apparently, she also represented him uh, later on for a different matter. And this is the kind of thing that raises questions for people about, you know, was there any corruption involved? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, an expert enough to know whether this was really unusual, and mm-hmm. I've read slightly conflicting things about that. Um, I do think that we're going to hear more because Koenig did suggest that we're going to get into his his deal mm-hmm. uh, in a future episode. I'm really curious how she'll deal with it.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel in June? See, this is an area where I've been trying so hard, like, and this is really hard. And I've, I don't know that I've succeeded, but this is a real case. This is a real murder. This is a guy who's been sitting in prison for 15 years. Maybe he's innocent. Maybe you shouldn't have been there at all. And so I try not to bring up casual, silly stuff, but I watch Law & Order. I've seen all the episodes, many of them multiple times, and all it's really hard not to think, well, I know how they do that. They always you know, offer a deal, and they always tell the people, hey, the first person to say yes, he gets the best deal, the other person <sighs> gets stuck. And even though I know I shouldn't, I'm human, how can I not...
2: Transfer. But then why wouldn't Anand say something? Like, why wouldn't Anand say, no, Jay was involved to this degree? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've gotten that question from a lot of listeners as well. Sort of, why doesn't he just say, you know, hey, this guy did it? Um, you know, June, your, your um, comments also make me think of uh, the way that this show is is being received a little more generally and the way that, that, that listeners are, are processing it and how they're interpreting things. I mean, even the email that I read at the top uh, from from Anov raised this question of you know having to balance you know one's enjoyment of of cereal with these ethical questions that that keep keep coming up for people. And and for me, one of the more interesting explorations of that was was published on Think Progress just in this past week. And a writer there, I believe her name is Jessica Goldstein, uh, spoke with some professors of journalism who have thought a lot about the ethics of journalism. And they raised a number of, of really interesting points. They all, for me, added up to the idea that this podcast is highlighting ethical challenges that journalists deal with all the time mm. and is not actually unique uh, in most ways. The format is unusual and raises some specific problems or you know, not even you know, possible problems, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, but actually, these are probably questions we should be asking ourselves every time we read a, a true crime, you know, a gripping true crime story in The New Yorker, right. for that matter. Right. Uh, I, I'm curious what you guys, uh, if you saw that piece, what you thought of it and how you're dealing with this stuff.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think, among many other things, serial is a sensation. It's a really high profile um piece of storytelling, piece of reporting. And so it's going to attract a lot of the attention that lower profile things should attract. Um, And I mean, I sort of justify um, its entertainment value in this calculation that's like, well, it's an important story to be out in the world. I'm really glad that it's being told. People are reflecting about the criminal justice system and whether it works. artistry is not the enemy here you know if you can tell a story in a really expertly crafted way how is that in some way disrespectful to Hayes memory I think like the amount of art in the world the amount of good storytelling in the world that's all sort of to the good Um, but I do I do think that there's a real cost, probably, to people who were close to the victim. I mean, it's it's probably painful to have all of this dredged up, and especially to see it um, turned into uh, an entertainment product. And I think, you know, when Hayes' brother, someone who purported to be Hayes' brother, went on to Reddit. Um, that was the issue that he brought up. He said, you know, to many of you, this is another drama. This is something you gobble up and are addicted to. And to me, this is my life. So so again, I think, David, I just need to land an agreement with you and say it's complicated.
1: I actually read that Think Progress piece because that is part of my typical media diet. So it felt OK. And I was pretty sure she wasn't going to be breaking any um, you know, serial related news or non-related news. And I liked it because I felt flattered because uh, the professors echoed some things that I'd been experiencing. It's just my sort of frustration to reuse a word I've been overusing with the, again, explanation of why they're doing this on the fly if they're not going to refer to things that come up while it airs. And then last week, of course, they did. They did do those rather tacked on, I felt. But nevertheless, they were doing something that I'd been wanting to hear of this is air, people respond while it's airing, and let's incorporate that into this long-running narrative. But I've also been very interested in what one of the professors called the re effect, which struck me as a very nice way of describing it, where if you're one of the people involved, you know, what is it like to be Jay? Or has Adnan got a lot of, pieces of mail from listeners or, you know, has he got a lot of correspondence, um, you know, has hearing other people's testimonies, as it were, given other people, stimulated memories for other participants. So I've been very curious about that. And I think that's been something that they haven't really made the most of. To me, you know, based on my own experience as a journalist, I thought, I just don't know why you're not just, why you didn't just make this and then air it. And if you had to hold back and spool it out week by week for serial reasons, then fair enough. But um, that piece kind of just brought up some things for me that uh, I feel is, is not necessarily a weakness of the form, but just hasn't really been exploited by Koenig and co.
0: Yeah, that question, June, was actually raised by by a listener, an email listener named Rick, and I thought this was a, a great point. I wish we'd gotten into it last week. Uh, Rick wrote, My question is, are any of you concerned that the show has become such a cultural phenomenon? that it may adversely affect the narrative of the show and the investigation itself. He goes on, I do worry that the show's own popularity may adversely impact future episodes. For example, individuals with a loose connection to the case, like Summer trying to insert themselves, maybe falsely, into events, although it is Sarah's own choice as to who or what she inserts into serial's own narrative. That, that you know, will only persist as a problem as as it goes on, right? I mean... It seems like with last, the last episode, finally something had kind of crept in, and it sort of makes sense that as they near what they are still saying is probably going to be 12 episodes, that more people may contact them, may write yeah. them, may say, oh, hey, I remember something, and perhaps the podcast you know, jars a memory loose that is mm. true and really important, or maybe it kind of messes with their memories that they think they had this thing happen or they know about this place. or I mean, that's a real problem.
1: Now, I know it's time to wrap up, but before we take off, I just want to ask you guys a question, which is that you know more about this show than probably most of the people you interact with. And, I mean, I presume that everybody in the world is talking about serial. And how do you handle having extra information that people probably don't want to hear.
0: (laughs) You know, it it hasn't uh, adversely affected my life too much so far. Uh, I do uh, talk about this show a lot with my wife and sometimes argue about it. (laughs) Um, But at this point, it's the only way I know how to listen to the show. <laughs> so I can't even remember what it's like to just rely entirely on, on what we've heard via the serial podcast feed. And I sometimes forget which things I heard, you know, from Sarah Koenig's own voice and which things I read somewhere else. For me, bringing in more knowledge, finding out more, uh, actually, uh, you know, helps me deal with that yeah. because it reminds, because I'm, you know, learning about it somewhere else and I'm seeing it out out. In the world elsewhere I've you know read stories from the Baltimore Sun from when you know uh Haman Lee was first found and and seen how people were, were processing that, that. And for me that reminds me that this is a that this is a real thing that happened that these are real people and and you know I appreciate that
2: yeah uh David that's so well said. I would only add June that um I feel like a Boston Terrier handed a hookah pipe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, in that well uh, that's where the analogy ends, i think, but um,
0: <laughs> you know what she means right Oh yeah just what she
2: means sure just it's a Britishism right um <laughs> I, sometimes I sort of chortle to myself when I'm when I'm talking to friends because we all have our own theories and they're all sort of drawing on different sources and different proportions. And if you spend a lot of time on Rabia's blog, you're probably sort of going in one direction. If you've confined yourself to the pure podcast, you're probably in a different place. Um, and so it, it is interesting, sort of as on a meta level, to um, talk to people about where they're going for their serial fixes. Like, are you a purist? June, as you seem to be. David, are you more of a omnivorous serial gobbler of everything? <laughs> um, And, you know, I love texting people right after or during the show um, to see what their reactions are and sort of to check my own reactions. And is that crazy? Katie, why are you going in that direction? (laughs) Um, So, I I mean, it is a communal experience for me, definitely a lot. Um, And I just I'm excited to see where it goes next.
0: Well, on that note, uh, we thank you once again for joining us. And I also want to thank June for for coming in this week. Thanks, June.
1: Thank you. I've now smoked 25 cigarettes as a beagle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and thanks, as always, Katie.
1: Thanks,
2: David. This was fun.
0: Please join us again next week when we'll be talking about Episode 10 of Serial. Our producer, as always, is Joel Meyer. The executive producer of all Slate podcasts is Andy Bowers. For June Thomas and Katie Waldman, I'm David Haglund. Talk to you next week.